You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We're the show where we try to help you as a business owner or business leader think about better ways to look at what you're doing, motivate the teams around you, and create a, a, a better world for all of us. My guest today is a gentleman named Chris Layton. I'm sorry, Chris. I'm going to the last name. Doug. Um, my last name is Chris Lottenslager. 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 I, Actually, I, a quick joke about that, Doug. Okay, I traveled please. all around the world professionally, and there's three places in the world in which they look at my name at the hotel registry and immediately pronounce it without any hesitation and pronounce it perfectly. One's Germany, one's Switzerland, and the other is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, I apologize for butchering it. I, I had uh, I had closed my note. I, I normally get to read those, and I do generally pretty well phonetically. And actually studied German in high school, so I think I could have handled it. But I didn't have the it. I had that brain cramp and didn't have it up in front of me. So apologies. Um, well, Chris has is a bit of a tradition here. Let's start with you giving us a little bit of backstory on your journey to to get you where you are today, and then we'll introduce the theme of our discussion. Sure. Um, gosh, Doug, you know, it's been a, it's been a very journey and I'm grateful for that very journey. It's given me a lot of exposure and experiences in different aspects associated with society and human beings in general. Um, my background is in business. I grew up, uh, in a household that had a small family business. Um, our whole family revolved around supporting that business uh, and actually a little story associated with it. You know, like most small family businesses, Doug, this one started by accident. My dad and his brother, Ben, were out at Ben's house repairing the driveway, patching the holes in the driveway. And a neighbor saw him, stopped and said, hey, would you patch the holes in my driveway too? I'll pay you. Boom. A new business was born in America. Yeah. <laughs> so we were all in on that business. In fact, anytime school was out, my dad would wake me up at four o'clock in the morning. And I'm in high school at this time. So that wasn't a good time for me. Uh, four o'clock in the morning, drag me to the local diner. It's called Doris's Diner. And that's where all the local business owners started their day. They'd all be sitting around this big table, drinking coffee, talking about their families and their businesses. And, and being from Chicago, they'd, of course, be talking about how bad the Cubs were playing again that year. Um, but it was that sense of community, that sense of togetherness, that sense of knowing each other, that was really the story behind Doris's Diner. It wasn't that their coffee was great. It's that we were able to know each other. Yeah. So that's the key for my desire and love for small businesses. And then I had an opportunity to, when my father passed and we sold that business, to go to go to school, go to college, go to university. I got my MBA at Northwestern and then went and worked at some of the best 
uh, most prestigious, most uh, the largest global financial firms in the world and had a chance to acquire experiences and many of them great experiences. I learned how to um, interact with different cultures. I learned how to perform at extraordinarily high levels. I learned to meet deadlines. I acquired skills in negotiations and in regards to um, building projects and bringing them to completion. But I also learned that they don't really care very much about their customers. Um, they care about the bottom line. And, you know, I'm a capitalist. I believe in capitalism. But even Adam Smith, the father of capitalism, who wrote The Wealth of Nations, and for those of you who don't know, The Wealth of Nations is like the Bible of capitalism, warned against capitalism being corrupted by those with too much power and wealth. And in today's world, corporations are considered individuals. They are considered independent and they have tremendous power and wealth. And I view today's world, particularly this whole singular focus on maximizing shareholder value as detrimental um, to us as a society and us as individuals. So I'm focused on leading a, a global movement to reinvigorate our dedication to small businesses. You know, Doug, remember there was a time when we would all say small businesses are the backbone of this country? Right, right. They still are. It's just that there's no one out there saying we need to nurture and support and provide connection with our small business owners because they really are the fabric of our society. So that's a sort of a roundabout story of talking about how I started in a small business, went through the corporate world, and I'm now back to being a supporter of small businesses. Well, it, it, it is an interesting story, and it's not uncommon for many uh, to have had a similar journey. And uh, I, I would echo, as many of my listeners already know, I had much the same journey. I grew up in a, a household where I was the only child of a single mom, but she owned a business. It, and she took the leap to create the business while I was still in elementary school. So that was brave and bold on her part, both female in that decade, uh, you know, that females weren't, they were kind of second-class citizens in the they business couldn't even, world. They couldn't the even get a credit card. Right. It's shocking in today's world. I mean, just shocking. And uh, nonetheless, she persevered. She made relationships with bankers and and suppliers and people she needed to know. And and uh, you know, I watched that business build and thrive. And and that was my job too. I she she knew better than to wake me up at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but we we might have been out on the job till ten or eleven at night. You know mm -hmm. that uh, that that was the flip side of that. But. Um, uh, and then, you know, going through the corporate experience and coming back. So uh, let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, where we can go with this. What are some of the moves and changes we might need to make to help strengthen the small business backbone in, in society? Do you have any specific areas that you've identified that are probably good starting points? Absolutely. Uh 
And I live these principles. Uh, so, and not perfectly. Um, I'm the first to admit that life requires compromise and flexibility, but my focus is on supporting and building the small businesses in my community. Um, and as a capitalist, and I am a capitalist, I believe in the capitalist system. I believe that capitalism has done more to expand the, the, the standard of living for more human beings than any other economic system in the history of the world. It's just proven. It's just a fact. It doesn't mean that it can't be exploited, but that doesn't mean that it can't be fixed also. So some of the steps that we can take as a capitalist, I believe in the impact and, and leverage of your purchasing power. We as consumers have the ability to decide how do we want to spend our money? And that choice makes a difference. I think a lot of people, myself included at, at a period of time, would go through life unconsciously. We would shop based on convenience. We would shop based on whatever circumstances made it easy and, and flexible for us to be able to execute our, our, our commerce. However, once we start to become aware of the impact of our purchasing decisions, then we can start to have an impact on how those purchasing decisions can enhance all of our lives. For me, I buy books from the local bookstore. I, I, I know that there's an organization that sells a lot of books online. I don't buy from them. I go to the local bookstore. I buy my coffee from a local privately owned coffee shop. I know that there's other alternatives, but they don't really invest in my community. The local coffee shop, the local bookstore, the local bank, they all have a vested interest in making sure that our schools are good, that our neighborhoods are safe, that our streets are clean, that our services are provided for, they know my name when I walk in. When I go to a local restaurant with my girlfriend or my family, they know who we are. They know our favorite table. They usually know what we want to order. Um, whereas if I go to one of those commercial chains, I'm lucky if I see the same person there twice and I get treated with less and less consideration. Now, sure, it might be easier Sure, it might even be cheaper. But again, do you want to invest? Do you want to be penny wise and pound foolish as the old saying goes? Sure, I can buy things cheaper. I can send my purchasing dollars overseas to foreign manufacturers, to foreign investors, to people that aren't in my community. But there's two folds to that. One, it impacts the quality of life of our community. And two, it impacts my life. The humanness. I want to rehumanize the aspect of business. That's fundamentally what it was all about. Relationships. Buying and selling is not just about transactions. It's about the interconnectedness that we get in conducting that transaction. So it benefits me as a human being, being able to create 
those human connections. And that's really what business is all about to me. Those are simple choices. Make a conscious decision to support your local businesses. I think when we were in the green room, you were telling me the story about your dad and, and the business and that uh, in, when you were in high school, he had roused you out of bed at four in the morning to go to the local diner to have a cup of coffee with the other business owners in the area. So uh, t- tell that story. Sure, I'd be happy to. So, you know, my dad was in the construction industry. Construction starts early. And if I wasn't going to school, my dad would wake me up at four in the morning. And it didn't matter. He didn't care what time I got in. <laughs> um, he'd wake me up and he'd drag me to the local diner, which was Doris's diner. And all the local business owners started their day there. Um, they'd sit around a big table, they'd be drinking coffee, they'd be talking about their families, their businesses, and being from Chicago, of course, they'd be talking about how bad the Cubs were playing that year. They were perennial, perennially terrible. Um, but it's that community. It's that knowing each other. It's that referring business to each other. It's that supporting each other when good times end and bad. That's what makes life enjoyable. I was thinking when you told me that the first time, I, I was thinking the, uh, you know, people make much ado now about creating mastermind groups for business owners to come together. And man, there's there's none finer than that kind of a community gathering where everybody does know each other and everybody does know your name and, and you come in and um, have that kind of uh, bond of, of supporting one another and knowing when things might be tough or tight, but maybe, maybe having a chat to solve a problem, you know, you're short on a supplier or short on a laborer. And uh, you know, you, you talk to one of the other guys and, They've got some capacity or some surplus they're willing to share and, you know, just uh, really making it come together for the greater good. Agreed. And I believe in mastermind groups. I, I participate in them. But I also believe in expanding my sphere of understanding to broader environments. You know, one of the nice things about Doris's Diner is that you had people from all social economic groups. One of the, what I find in particularly in our society is that we're information's being fed to us. Opportunities are being fed to us. We're being channeled more and more and more into tribes, into very specific, oh, I'm only going to hang out with the software developers. I'm only going to hang out with the engineers. Well, you know, back in the day, there were these local community clubs, the Lions Club or the, or the, the Shriners or whatever. Um, there were so many of them, actually, I could never understand how people chose, but they chose based on their relationships. They chose based on, hey, this is my friend, and he suggests I could meet other people. Um, and it, within those environments was usually a very broad array of people that had different occupations. We weren't all in the same tribe. And I think that it's extraordinarily important for us to get exposure to others. That's, you know, there's this whole cancel culture of which if you're not saying the things that I believe in, your words are violence or are offensive or dangerous. I disagree. 
I believe that this is how we learn. This is how we discern right from wrong by seeing, actually hearing what people say, but also seeing how they act. When you hear people that are demagogues or, or, or racists or, or whatever, when you hear them talk in a certain hateful manner, it's not hard to discern their behavior also. It's not hard to say, mm, I, I don't align with that. I don't align with that. And being able to have that type of judgment, I think is extraordinarily important. I think it's incredibly dangerous to say, this is right, this is wrong, and that uh, I'm not smart enough as an individual, as a citizen, to be able to make those choices on my own. Well, I think you raise a good point. There, there's obviously uh, major pendulum shifting in, in the way we think about things and, and the way things are coming together, the way information is disseminated and and knowing what might be actually true about a circumstance in, in the world. And I, I, I guess on one hand, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. I don't, I don't want to politicize the show here. No, I'm but, sorry uh, I got that. I sort no, of No, no, but I, but I think the point being, and, and the one I do want to make is, and, and this is one of my mantras that I try to share with folks, we need good, honest foundational leadership at all levels of society and in the world today. I think our systems, our socioeconomic systems that have created the uh, so-called influencers of the day are, are, are missing the boat. I, I think we've abdicated real leadership. We've got some people on, and, and I'm not making a political statement, it happens in all sectors on all sides and all you know political party colors whatever you want to call it i think what i'm saying is a true fact we don't have good leaders standing in any of those positions and we often tend as a as a society to elect the loudest voice or the biggest spender for the campaign but not necessarily the best leader for for the moment and i i think that's where the challenge comes in but i want to i want to take this back to the business environment you know as you were describing all this i'm thinking about a a group that i've been introduced to it's a national company uh, but they are really big on redefining the entrepreneurship opportunity and let me explain and, and the company is called acquira for those of you that follow my social media, you know there's been some announcements about my role working with Acquira and some things I'm doing there. Uh, but the the founder of Acquira is a young man who has a similar bias, I think, to yours, Chris, on, on capitalism needs to get fixed. In his way of thinking specifically, he wants to help fix the entrepreneurial opportunity. And what he means by that is, there is this huge tsunami. They some call it the silver tsunami. All the baby boomers that have built businesses are wanting to exit. So there's a lot of wealth that is built up in freestanding independent businesses where the owner has a a, a mindset that they're willing to sell out and move on. 
So it's a great opportunity for an aspiring young person to come in and buy that business and not suffer the trials of startup and, and survive a startup effort, but rather cash into a, a pre-existing business. And as part of this model, what we are striving to build is the opportunity for these new owners to convert their businesses to employee-owned enterprises where everybody at the company gets a piece and has an opportunity to serve the greater good, not just for their paycheck, but for their own long-term destiny and opportunity to accumulate a little wealth to go with their hard, hard work and commitment to whatever the business may be. That's tremendous. It, it completely aligns with the thoughts that I have in this area on a number of different levels. First, on a, on a, on a macro perspective, I believe that we want to reimagine or, or reintroduce the concept that being a small business owner is an honorable and actually a wonderful thing. This whole concept of having to go to work for the biggest and best organizations. Um, first of all, I, I know from personal experience for me that it, it, it leaves you empty after a period of time that you don't really have anything to show for that experience except for the knowledge that you take. And agreed, that's, that's a valuable component. But by being a small business owner, you have something that can literally be passed from generation to generation. You have something that you can be proud of. Um, and so, you know, being a small business owner, I, uh, my dad used to have a work shirt with BNC paving on the back and his name Curtis on the front. And all of a sudden having a work shirt for many people seems to be kind of like, oh, uh, who wants to work with their hands? I think a lot of people are good with working with their hands. A lot of people are good in having face-to-face -face interaction or working to provide a lot of services that we all need. Um, so I think we need to lionize small business owners again and, and make that something to be filled with pride about. The other aspect that you're talking about is sharing the wealth and, and of uh, with the people that create the businesses. You know, I think the model of, well, growing up, when I grew up, all that I cared about was, particularly when I was just getting out of school, was getting a check. I wanted to get a check. I wanted to pay off my bills. I wanted to move forward in my life, save a little bit, et cetera. In a recent Deloitte survey, they asked millennials whether or not purpose was important in a company's whether or not they'd work for or buy from a certain company. 77% of millennials say that a company's purpose actually is very important to them of whether or not they want to work for that company or whether or not they want to be part of that company. So having commitment within the organization, sharing the wealth within that organization, having a reason for why that organization exists is part of what attracts and helps build a customer base, builds the client base, builds uh, a reputational base in today's world. I think it's very important that your employees are committed 
to the purpose and to the business itself. And by sharing the profits, by sharing the ownership within that company with your team, that that has real buy-in. Yeah. And and I know there are those I've talked to them myself from my banking days that that say, well, well, that works at certain kinds of companies. But when you get into, let's say, the trade trade industries, you know, plumbers, electricians, roofers, contractors and all. Uh, you know, you want to start talking about company culture and values. Nah, that, that'll never fly. Those guys don't care. They just want their paycheck. I can tell you firsthand that's 180 degrees false. Uh, that is false. You're absolutely correct. Those guys uh, among anybody value that sense of belonging and purpose. And if a company owner can paint a picture of what a, a a North Star kind of value ought to be about. Um, folks in those kinds of jobs will gravitate to that. They will buy in. They will jump on it, and and they will make it shine. And I've got firsthand stories. I've I've been in in the field with a couple of businesses that are doing just that. And they have they have established a set of company values, company visions, and they've taken it down there. There, there's one outfit in particular. It's a plumbing company in Denver that I visited not long ago. The owner there, and it's a it's a largish company. They've got forty trucks, and so it's uh, it's no small operation. But they do quarterly personal vision boards. The whole crew, every employee is called in to a gathering and it's a it's a it's kind of a workshop party style atmosphere, but every everybody updates their personal vision board. What do they want next in their life? What are what's their big goal they're shooting for? What are they trying to accomplish? And and then they share that with each other so that everybody knows where everybody's coming from. And the level of cooperation and help, you know, one guy makes a stand and says, I want to, uh, one of the stories I was told, one of his brand new plumbers went through this exercise for the first time and all he could really think about, he wanted to buy bicycles for his two daughters. And that was kind of his focus of of his, you know, best next contribution. And the owner said, man, when I saw that on the board, I knew we could crush that because he's, he has all kinds of incentive programs for these guys. All he needed to do was introduce this guy to the depth and width of, of the program offerings. The guy had the bikes in a month, you know, he, that, that was no problem, no leap at all. <laughs> and, and then the guy though, you know, caught, realized, oh my God, well, I can think bigger now. And yeah, I can dream know, bigger. You, yeah, you can. Yeah. And we so, all, we all that, have dreams. It's the nature of being human. And to assume that people are just, you know, want to scrape by um, is more a function of not being in an environment that allows you to be able to dream. And when we create an environment in which we support people's dreams, support people's growth, support people's families, true miracles actually occur. That's when, that's when the joy of watching others transform into 
amazing human beings is part of being a business owner. Yeah. Well, share with us, if you will, Chris, can, can you, um, can, can you relay a story about one of your client engagements of late and, and work that was done to kind of move that needle? So my client engagements right now, my, I'm involved in something that I think is, for me, it's been really influential and I want to share it with others. I went through most of my life just working, essentially being unconscious associated with um, how I wanted to conduct my life, where I wanted to take my life. I was busy with family. I was busy with work. I was busy with school, busy, 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 busy. And you know, I bought into many of the stories that I was told that I should do. I should go to the best university. I should work for the best companies. I should do X, Y, and Z. But I never really took the time to think about what made me happy. I was too busy providing, servicing um, my family and, and my work, et cetera. But I never put together the fact that I can do those and live a fulfilling life. Um, it was all new to me. So when I went through this exercise of identifying my 10 key values, and when I say the word values, people often think of, oh, this is Moses coming down with the tablets and, and he's going to give us these commandments. And that's not what I'm discussing at all. What I mean are, what do you value? as a person, what makes you happy? What gives you fulfillment? How do you navigate through life in a manner that brings you joy, excitement, and growth? And once I went through those exercises of identifying what my 10, I actually have them on a board right here, what my 10 values are, for me personally, it's really easy to navigate through business decisions, life decisions. Is this bringing me closer or further to things that I know I'm going to enjoy? For example, one of them is, I love this one. One of them is freedom. Freedom. Well, I learned that I realized I don't like being told what to do, Doug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like being told what to do. I don't like it from authority figures. I don't like it from uh, partners or spouses or girlfriends. I don't like it from my father. I didn't like it from my bosses. I don't like being told what to do. Now, some people are actually collaborative in a manner. That's their choice. They love that dynamic of working with others and, and being given direction, so to speak. It wasn't until I realized that mm, this isn't something that I'm comfortable with and then made choices to not work for others, to not work at other firms. Sure, I can make a steady check. Sure, I can get insurance, but I'm not happy in this environment. So once I identified what those values were and then started to put steps in place to live those values, my life fundamentally changed. I became conscious of the choices that I made in big and small. And when I made the choices that supported my values, everything fell into place. It was, it's like magic, Doug. It's like magic. And my attitude, my energy, my outlook, 
is all so much better. So I'm in the process of creating a course on values. Um, uh, you'll be able to access it on my website. Uh, I'm going to be giving webinars and seminars on this. Um, I also do speeches on this. So if you want to be able to access any of this information, you can go to my website. I'm sure Doug will be able to provide it to you. Can I put a plug in for that? Doug? Yeah, please. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. It's at www.getlooped.com. So www.get-looped.com. Get-looped.com. And once I had these guideposts, because I think we're all, all so focused on tactics and strategies. What's the hack that I can do to make me more productive? What's the what's the shortcut I can take that will give me, you know, 30 minutes of additional time in my schedule that seems to be overwhelmed? I think once we step back and have these guidelines, these, these, this map of what brings us joy and what doesn't, I found in my life and in others that I've been working with on this, that it just simplifies life and brings a lot more joy to it. So that's what I'm working on, Doug. It really does. It helps uh, create clarity. And I, I do that with a lot of my executive coaching clients. I'm often surprised when I ask the question, you know, do you have a vision of where you want to take your, both you individually and your team? Do you have a vision of where you want to go? And a lot of times they say, no, I'm waiting for instruction from above, you know, and it's like, Wow. Uh, and, and to your point, I, I think when you crystallize that vision, and, and I like the idea of being able to drive it based on core values that you want to stand for and you want to pursue, it makes your day-by-day, moment-by-moment decision process so much easier. Like you said, I can make a choice. You know, it, It's either moving me closer to that goal or going to be taking me away from that goal. But if you don't know what the goal is, you, you, you're going to make any choice along the way. And it, uh, it, it really does help crystallize and, and really accelerate the success of, of getting to that, that goal. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful tool. So thanks. Thank you for sharing that. And Chris, I'm noticing we're about up on time here today. I, I, I really want to thank you. I think this has really been inspiring and helpful. And you, you've already shared uh, about how to get in touch with you. And, and yes, uh, folks, we will have all that information in the show notes, as we always do. Um, but Chris, any last uh, closing thought you want to share? We talked a little bit about allowing our those that help us create wealth, sharing that wealth. The last thought that I want to leave with is that small business owners, I'd like to encourage you to look at all those around you as your most valuable assets. These are the people that represent you, that interact with your clients, that interact with your team, that support your success. They are the most important asset that you have. Treat them that way. And I promise that return will be returned, will be provided back to you in multiple, multiple ways. Yeah, good word. Well, Chris, thank you. It's a pleasure uh, having you here and really appreciate your time. 
So, folks, with that, we're going to wrap this up. I do like to remind people, if you are listening on your favorite streaming service, we do have a video version of this show over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there. You you can look at all the archives and all the other opportunities and information I'm sharing there. But uh, with that, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, go out there, make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.